The impudence, the audacity, the unmitigated gall of those knuckleheads of liberty podcasters daring to voice opinions outside the mainstream of accepted thought. Listen, if you dare, it's angry, it's funny, it's even sometimes sad, but it's always based on freedom and justice, as you will see. Here's our host, Jason McPhee. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty. We're coming at you on January 9th, 2023. Uh, So we just, uh, boy, I tell you, we're about halfway through the current administration. And (laughs) at least I feel like there's maybe a light at the end of the tunnel now. But (laughs) anyways, we brought you a little bit of light today. We have a special guest today, Cole Brodeen, who was recently elected uh, to the Elm Creek School Board in Nebraska. And so he's going to talk to us a little bit about that. And he is a libertarian. So, you know, it's always exciting to hear about a libertarian getting elected. So we want to talk about that. And um, but before we jump into that, let me introduce you to our panel. In our upper left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. Um, No screaming eagle today, um, but we do have our guest, Cole Brodeen, that we're going to be talking to. And he's in our upper right-hand corner. Um, He's also a professional engineer, too. Um, And my name is Jason McPhee, and I'll be your host today. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Cole, you were recently elected to the Elm Creek School Board, um, and that was back in the November elections, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's always kind of uh, exciting to hear about the experiences. This is something we like to do on the show. People who are fighting the fight for liberty in different areas, whether that's, you know, getting themselves elected to a local office or uh, organizing in some other way. We like to talk about their experiences so people, you guys out there in the audience can uh, hear about their experiences and maybe benefit from those and see what you can do as well. So let's talk to Cole about his experience. So Cole, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, did you want to tell us a little bit about your run and, um, you know, why you decided to run? Sure. Yeah. So our school uh, is a very small community, less than a thousand people, very rural area, agricultural area in Nebraska. Um, my family's lived here for six generations. Uh, I live on the original family homestead. So our school and our community is pretty important to me. Um, and we recently had some issues a few years ago. Our school had to borrow money just to make payroll. Um, we're recently just passed a new bond issue which was much needed our old elementary school building had rooms closed down due to mold issues things like that Uh, so i felt like our school was just in a bad place and when you're from a small town uh, the school is one of the few things you have in your community to uh, attract people to to keep it a vibrant and important place so um, i felt like it was a good time to step in and um try to do something about some of the issues we've had. Where where about in in um in Nebraska is Elm Creek. Where where about in maybe in relation to Lincoln or something? Where 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 about it is? Sure. As a Midwesterner, I couldn't even tell you how many miles. I can only tell you it's about two hours west. We <laughs> measure everything in hours of drive time for whatever reason out here. But uh, yeah. yeah, we're about two hours west of Lincoln and I'm about five and a half to six hours east of Denver um, okay. in Nebraska, right on the interstate. So, gotcha. yeah, mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, but sm- very small community. Um, the largest town even near us is probably around 50,000 people. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So, well, Cole, one of the things we like to find out about guests too that come on the show is is what is it that sort of woke you up to liberty because almost everybody has a different story but generally it's not the public school system that wakes people up to liberty that's not our experience in california anyways so um what what was it that woke you up to liberty sure you know i uh i'd have a hard time saying i was ever woke up to it we grew up i grew up on a farm um that my family's farm for generations and when you live in a rural area, you're very independent there. We don't get a lot of help out here from a lot of people. Uh, so you make do with what you have. And, and I think that small community, you learn to respect other people and their choices. Uh, you, you learn to be responsible with the resources you have. And I think those things, as I grew older, um, you know, I started off as a Republican because most people here are Republican. And as I uh, grew older and went to college and explored I said, well, you know, I think I maybe align more closely with the libertarians than the Republicans and um, kind of realized that that should be me. And so uh, when the Libertarian Party uh, pushed to get uh, onto the state ballots here, I changed over to the Libertarian Party and uh, have been there ever since, probably about 10 or 15 years now. So, so is what is that? So- Oh, sorry, sorry, Leon. I just wanted to ask real quick on that timing. So, was that uh, um, about then when the Liberty Party, Libertarian Party, rather, started to make a push in your state about ten years ago? Because you know, it seems like in some places there's very little presence. So, I guess there's a little more of a presence now in Nebraska. Yeah, I'd say about fifteen years ago, um, they really started to make a push because we're one of those states that they had to petition to even uh, have the Libertarians be a party you could register it as about fifteen years ago, and so. Uh, we got that through 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And then um, I, at that time, was still relatively young and uh, helped me learn about the Libertarian Party just because it was kind of in the news all of a sudden. And that's and so as soon as it was an option, I drove down to my local county courthouse and switched over. <laughs> so, okay. so Cole, what, what do you see as the main difference in terms of philosophy or in terms of practice, whichever one you choose? What do you see as the main difference between the Republicans and the and Libertarians? Because you know, I mm-hmm. I am a kind of I sit on the fence on the on on, on being between the Republicans and the Libertarians. Actually, I call my well no, but then Libertarians and Conservatives, I would say not, not mm-hmm. necessarily Republicans. But what what do you see as the main difference between these two entities, the Libertarians on one hand and the, the, the Republicans on the other? You know, I think Republicans are different depending on where you're at in this country. And I'm in the center of red land here, right in the middle of the country. Um, so to me, the main difference was not um, was more of the social issues. Um, Nebraska, we're very uh, fiscally conservative for the most part. So I think that aligns well with the Republicans here. But we're very uh, socially conservative as well, which... Uh, doesn't work for me. Um, you know, we're, as a state, uh, these aren't my feelings, but as a state, we're very anti-immigration. We're, um, you know, home values are important to people here. Um, LGBTQ people are not always welcome everywhere here. Uh, those kind of things. And I just, uh, I don't, I don't agree with that. And uh, that's, the social freedoms, I think, are something that Nebraska really needs to work on. Um, hmm. 
So it's a little more of a live and let live is what you're after there in Nebraska, I guess. Or Yeah, that's what I would personally like to see. Yeah. Um, you know, it's we, we'll shoot ourselves in the foot to stop things like immigration when we have an unemployment rate that's under 2%. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, we're dying. I wish I had somebody here to serve a hamburger to me. <laughs> like, why won't we let these people in, you know? But that's my opinion. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I could tell you, Jason, Jason and I have gone around a few times on that immigration issue, but I guess that's why that's why another show on another day. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we're the most diverse county here in Dawson County, Nebraska. So, okay. Well, you know, it's funny too because you mentioned you know like conservatives and there being you know a little bit more of you know, maybe a, a hesitancy on some of these social issues with the mm-hmm. conservatives in California. It's kind of like the conservatives are, are shifted way to the left. I guess cause you almost have to be, to be, uh, you know, so, you know, I guess it's like, if you aren't woke and, and, you know, burning down a college when a speaker comes through, then, you know, you're conservative. I guess. Our, our state just legalized uh, some gambling for the first time. Uh, and most of the surrounding states have it. So that was a big thing for us. Um, but yeah, okay. so that, that's always been an issue here in Nebraska, I think, is we're very restrictive on social liberties, in my opinion. Mm. Okay. You know, you know, Jason, to be honest, uh, there are very few people in the state of California that we could even call conservative, quite frankly, honestly. Our last Republican governor was not even close to being a conservative at all. That's true. That was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> for those of you who might not be in California. Um, well, you know, as far as your, your experience in getting elected and you talk about, you know, how the Libertarian Party has just really started to dig its roots in, I guess, there. What kind of assistance were you able to get from the Libertarian Party and what kind of resources were available for you to run? Sure. The Libertarian Party contacted me and offered me um, assistance, you know, with uh, yard signs, maybe some funds, if, even if I needed them. And uh, in my opinion, for a small town election, I, I actually thought those were better used somewhere else in the state. We had some important um, elections the Libertarians had a good chance in for a state auditor and things like that. And honestly, in a small town, it's more about grassroots name recognition and those kind of things. So I honestly felt their resources would be better spent somewhere other than my campaign. Um, and it, I got elected, so I guess it worked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this, this must be a first, uh, a politician turning down, turning down uh, resources from a state party. I think I will have to check on that one. I think that's a first, really. <laughs> well, living in a town of a thousand people, I think the most money anybody spent on the election was probably somewhere around a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Um, and that was mostly just to get yard signs printed. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't, everybody knows everybody here. You know, it's, it's, a very, very small community. And so I could tell people whatever I want them to hear. And they already have an opinion formed about me and my family and my grandfather way back. Right. So, uh, so some, in my case, I don't know what else I could have done. Right. Other than just talk to people and tell them what I thought was important. And, and, and here it's easy to pound the pavement. There's less than a thousand people. So you literally can go door to door. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, door-to-door campaign might just be a weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I we have a local bar and grill in town that I stuck a sign up at post office, you know, uh, on the bulletin boards and stuff like that. It's it's a very different uh, environment than you guys probably have in California. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> How many people were on the ballot, Cole, when you were running? Uh, was there just a handful or was there unopposed? I mean, how, how there, did that go? There were three positions open or three positions up for election. Two of the previous candidates had I had spoken with and they had told me they weren't going to run. And then we ended up with seven people on the primary ballot. Um, and with the issues we have going on that I spoke of, it really wasn't surprising. There's that many people. And uh, one of the people <laughs> who told me they weren't going to run ended up running again anyway. They were one of the seven. So they trimmed us down to six candidates in the spring primary election. And then um, of the six, the top three got elected in the fall. So I was the number two vote getter. Um, so I felt pretty good about that. Just curious, how, how, how soon did you have to make a decision that this is what you wanted to do? Is it like a year in advance? I know we, we talk about this sometimes with people in California who are running, and sometimes you, it's like you got to decide several years in advance almost if you really want to get the groundwork going. In Nebraska, especially for a position like this, I mean, I only had to register by the middle of February or so to run. Um, and honestly, nobody here was really campaigning prior to that anyway. Um so for something like a local school board election, it's much easier to decide, yeah, I want to do this and then start your campaigning right after you uh, sign up to run. So um, it's not really a big issue. I, and I would encourage people to, uh, if you're going to run, one thing I did is about a year in advance of being able to sign up, I started attending all the different school board meetings and all the functions and um, those kind of things, just to get an idea if this was even something I wanted to do, if it was something I could help with, uh, those kind of things. And that was uh, instrumental to me um, deciding whether I wanted to run or not. So, so are you are you guys seeing? I mean, are you guys seeing some of, some of the kind of problems that I mean, you you listed some problems and some issues that you you saw in some of the schools about mold and those other things, but. What about some of the other issues that we've seen in places like Loudoun County in Virginia, all the issues there, with whether it's the, the the curriculum or other things like that? Are you guys having those sorts of problems in, in your school district? The, the biggest issue that um, was brought up statewide this election for school districts was critical race theory. Um, yes. So that was a hot topic. It honestly didn't come into my election that much. We're in such a rural area that I think everybody's pretty well aligned on that here. Um, so we were more concerned in our election with our own local problems, but it was a, a big deal statewide and the um, uh, board of regents for the state and the state uh, education um, group, they had a lot of contention in their races uh, around yeah. critical race theory. So that was probably the biggest issue we have and a lot of these other national issues we really haven't gotten into here. Is, is, is critical race theory permitted in the schools right now? Uh, as, of, as of right now, uh, there are no schools that have outlawed it yet and the state has not currently stopped it. Um, but that's a big conversation through in this election. I think they'd like to outlaw it. Um, that's kind of the general consensus. 
Um, okay. It's kind of a red herring in our election because the local populace here is not for teaching critical race theory in high school. And so it would be nearly impossible to pass on a local level here, I think, with our current board. Um, and, and, and just for our listeners, too, critical race theory is one of those things where it gets bandied about a lot. And, you know, I, I guess it's kind of a, a, a legal term, I guess, that's, you know, uh, about, uh, you know, the idea that there could be a, a lot of institutional racism and stuff like that. But um, in in the sense of the schools, when it gets talked about a lot, a lot of it is just kind of works its way down to the actual you know, um, nuts and bolts as far as just treating kids differently in the classroom, which is kind of a, a crazy thing. So anyways, so I guess when we're talking critical race theory, I guess just to clarify, that's kind of what we're really talking about is it, well, hopefully we're hoping kids are treated equally in the classroom. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not something crazy. It's something racist. Yeah. Racist yeah. garbage <laughs> that should not be in the schools. But that's one, that's that's another discussion for another day too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I would generally generally agree with you, Leon. But it honestly wasn't an issue at our school. I think we have a pretty uh, good consensus in our local school board that it's not something we're interested in bringing into our local school. So yes. Um, so it, while it was a statewide topic and and outstate Nebraska away from Lincoln and Omaha, it really was kind of a non-issue. Um, we had some people who kind of tried to run on that that they were going to stop critical race theory from coming in the schools and we had a, uh, a candidate forum and the basically the candidates kind of all said well we're, we're not planning on voting it in so i'm not sure why this gentleman is so determined to ban it Oh, okay. Okay. Well you know one of the things i was going to ask you about too because he, certainly here in california it's an issue, but in Nebraska, it sounds like maybe it's less of an issue, but it's the teachers unions. Is that a huge issue politically as far as, uh, you know, getting their endorsement? And if you're on the wrong side of the teachers union, is that a, is that a big problem getting into the school board? In the larger school systems, it can be uh, our local school system. The teachers union is, as you can imagine, it's with a small school with less than a couple hundred students. It's not as big of a deal. Um, so that's less of an issue. I, I know that the teachers union around here probably would not have helped me a whole lot get elected. Um, I'm not a big fan of unions in general, and I personally see that as one of the big challenges we have at school is that how do you reward good teachers uh, without rewarding bad ones at the same time? You're right. Because um, quality teachers is one of our big issues statewide. Uh, we just, we have a shortage of teachers in general here. It, our school just hired a uh, couple people who are juniors in college because we just knew we won't be able to get them until they graduate, um, and we're desperate for those positions. So it's never been good? more important, I think, to make sure that they're quality teachers there. I see. Is, is Nebraska a right-to-work state? We are a right-to-work state, correct. Well, okay. All right. Yeah, but the unions, of course, have their own contracts and negotiations that get involved, so it be, it complicates things uh, that most other businesses don't have to deal with here. Of course, of course. Well, Cole, what do you see as the biggest challenges to getting for kids to get a good education out of our public schools, and and what do you, what are your plans as a school board member to try and push for in that in that regard? 
Sure. I, I like most of our teaching and most of our curriculum right now. Um, we're lacking in uh, some English scores kind of stuff. So I'd like to see us work on certain curriculum, but for the most part, I'm happy there. I'm really disappointed that past school boards didn't maintain our facilities better and that we had these mold issues and these kind of things. And what could have been a really cool historic building for our community that's now has to get torn down because it's pretty much too far gone. Um, so I'd like to make sure that we continue to maintain these facilities um, and make them uh, usable for future generations in our community. It's a big deal to spend millions of dollars in a town with less than a thousand people. So <laughs> yes. we'd prefer not to do that again. Um, and I, I, this may seem silly, but one thing that I really would like to see is we have a closed campus for lunch. Um, before COVID, our kids used to be able to walk downtown to the various uh, places and eat lunch and they've decided to keep campus closed and I really feel like they're punishing the majority of the student populace uh, by not allowing this anymore because there's a few troublemakers that have kind of ruined it for everybody um, so that and I think those things are important right like if you have a good lunch if you have um, good facilities like that all is a part of a strong uh, local school system um, you have to do the little things right so that you can do the big things right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I had another question too, and something I kind of alluded to at the beginning when I asked you about sort of how did you uh, discover Liberty uh, and, and the fact that the schools, you know, especially public schools, a lot of times it seems like the solutions that are pitched in public schools because it's kind of a government monopoly is mm -hmm. government solutions to problems. So it's sort of like, a, uh, you know, how are we going to solve this social problem? Well, we're going to vote on it. You know? yeah. <laughs> and and I, I was wondering, is there any thoughts as, as sort of a liberty minded person yourself of, of, of how to get a little bit more, um, I, I guess, of a push towards free markets and liberty and, and what that's all about in the schools? Oh, and, and further along along those same lines, uh, Cole, I mean, is school choice an issue at all in Nebraska? It, you know, it has come up choice. several times. School choice has. It's more of an issue in the eastern part of the state, Lincoln and Omaha, where most of the populace is, because honestly, there's not a lot of private schools around here to choose from. And the ones that are around here are parochial schools. So, you know, if you're not if, in our area in particular, the nearest uh, private school is Catholic. So if you're not wanting to have your kids get a Catholic education, then your op your options are a Catholic education or a public education, right? Right. Um, so just due to our rural nature, there's not a lot of choice out here. Um, so it's been less of an issue, I think, in outstate Nebraska. But we did go through this in the state where they wanted to um, pass some laws to allow your tax dollars to be redirected to uh, whichever school you thought was appropriate, whether it was private or public. And that failed in the state of Nebraska. So um, you can option your kids into whatever school you want here. You can send them to private school. We do have that uh, ability, but your tax dollars stay with your local school district. Uh, that's kind of interesting because you would, at least from the rhetoric, you would assume a conservative area would be a little more pro-choice on the schools. And, and so that's kind of an interesting so. uh, um, observation, I guess. It's just difficult in such a rural area because, you know, I think like myself in general, I am very pro-choice. I wish people could choose their schools, but it's just uh, economically not possible because there's only a thousand people in this town. So to divide our 
our dollars up into two schools would make things, you know, stretch would stretch us so thin. All right. Like my, my uh, daughter is a junior in high school. She's got a graduating class of 18 kids. Um, my eighth grader is in a graduating class of 33, I think 34 kids, which is a large class for us. So if you, you know, you start talking about having another school that you could go yeah. to, it's like, how do you hire double the teachers, right? And then have class sizes of 10 kids, right? Or something. Yeah. So it just becomes this, it, it's more of an economic issue around here, right? Like we just don't have the economic capability to fund a second school. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost picturing Little House on the Prairie and taking those 27 <laughs> kids and dividing yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, uh, rural school systems are still a thing out here, you know, where they teach multiple classrooms with one teacher, uh, multiple classes with one teacher in one classroom. They're not super common anymore, but they, they do still exist. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes it harder to have a conversation about choice when it's like, you know, what, how would we even fund another school, right? Whether it's privately or publicly or uh, they can, they have the luxury of talking about those kind of things in Lincoln and Omaha. We do not. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to redirect you back to that other question I asked you, though, that, uh, and that was um, any thoughts in, on the school board of how you might promote uh, ideas of markets and liberty uh, in the schools? One thing that we're fortunate here is that we are fiscally conservative in general. And so our school already is doing a lot of um, personal finance education um, early on with kids. And then they kind of parlay that into market talk and, and learning about free and open markets as they uh, get older. Uh, by the time they're a junior, they're teaching about the stock market and about different uh, markets. And uh, so that thing is, is something we implemented a while back. Um, one thing the state of Nebraska does is every school is required to have an Americanism committee, which sounds very patriotic. Uh, but our school has kind of parlayed this into um, teaching more about liberty and uh, making sure we learn about, you know, our founding fathers and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and making sure we learn about free and open markets and those kind of things. So um, Luckily, it's not something I probably have to pioneer, but it's something that I intend on continuing to promote within our school system. Um, but we we kind of have the fiscal stuff. We're in much more agreement on the fiscal side of things in Nebraska. Um, okay. So well, I, well then, oh, so sorry, I, sorry, I didn't mean to. Catch I think it's a wonderful program, and and while the Americanism committee sounds pretty nationalistic, I I'm a big <laughs> fan of it actually. So, okay. Well, that sounds like a great way to direct it. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. We got about a minute left. Is there any thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with or things you felt like you learned from this experience of, of running and uh, uh, for school board? Uh, yeah, I, I just want people to know that, like, as a libertarian, there's not a lot of us out here that are registered, but I think there are a lot more libertarians than people realize uh, once they start to learn. And I think as I got out in the community and told people that I was a libertarian, you know, you start finding people, well, what's that about? What's that like? So I think by even just running for things like school board, it's kind of spreading the idea that maybe we don't have to have two parties, that you don't have to be left or right, that there's there's other options. And so even if I hadn't been elected, I think it would have been a good uh, education piece for our, our whole area. 
because uh, there are a lot of people around here that probably lean more libertarian than they do Republic or Democrat, in my opinion. They just yeah. they just don't know it's even uh, something they could do. So. Well, that's awesome that you've got a voice out there and you're you're helping to spread that in your community. And you've certainly given us an education today about, uh, you know, sort of uh, school issues in Nebraska. So we're grateful to have you on the show for that. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us today, Cole. And thank you to our audience for joining us as well. And until the, until the next one, stay free. Thank yes, you. Indeed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, always. Thank you for listening to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Find us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, your favorite podcast network, and at knuckleheadsofliberty.com.